Join Justin Charity and Micah Peters in Sound Only as they discuss their deepest, darkest thoughts about the millennial lifestyle, rap music, video games, anime, YouTube, social media, and their underlying themes. Check out Sound Only on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. At Walt Disney World Resort, magic is found in spontaneity, the unplanned, the unexpected, an inside joke born in the Haunted Mansion queue, a surprise stitch sighting in Tomorrowland, watching fireworks from your room. These memories aren't made from predetermined plans, but manifested from simply being present and together in the most magical place. Find your moment at Walt Disney World Resort. This episode is brought to you by Brooks. Calling all running nerds, Brooks has just dropped the Go 16, a sweet name for an even sweeter shoe. If you're looking for comfort for that morning jog or when you're hopping on that treadmill, look no further than the Go 16, which has a nitrogen-infused cushioning. That means it's nice, soft, and lightweight. So you got the comfort, but you don't sacrifice the speed. Turn those everyday miles into everyday endorphins and the better than ever Brooks Go 16. Click or tap the banner to learn more. Welcome into the Ringerverse. This is, of course, the Ringer's Nexus podcast feed for all things fandom. I am Van Lathan, host of Higher Learning with Rachel Lindsay and Van Lathan. He is Sick Steve Almond. He is Jomi the Explainer Adeneron. And we are, of course, here. Wait, I don't get a shout out? Yeah. I was about to, shout you, out. I'm about to shout you out now. Did, I, I, thought, I thought you forgot. No, it goes. We got to do. We we. You're the anchor leg of the Midnight Boys. Oh, so shit. okay. I say hey, and then I say I come back and I say, of course, we're here with Charles Holmes, host <laughs> of the Ringer Music Show. But together, we are the Midnight, Midnight Boys. Boys. <laughs> now, Charles, I have to be honest about something. I hurt my neck. I can tell you're you're not looking good, man. You're not. You seem a little <laughs> injured. I hurt my neck, bro. I hurt my neck. I was reaching for something and my neck twinged and I knew it was going to be an issue. Then I, I went and I laid down and I feel like I made it worse. I hurt my neck. Yeah. I hurt my neck, Charles. I'm older. I'm 41. I'm 41 years old. My neck my neck hurts. You're it's young. Okay. You're a spry 41, but I'm it's catching up. I'm a spry 41. I'm a spry 41. <laughs> it's catching up. Uh, you guys, make sure you follow and share the show anywhere you can get it. That is Facebook, Instagram, and of course, over on the Twittersphere. All right. We are also in the middle of Nick Week here at TheRinger.com where we explore all of the wonderful world of Nickelodeon, including the ultimate Nickelodeon character bracket. Who is your favorite Nickelodeon character of all time? Who, me? Yeah, who's your favorite Nickelodeon character of all time? Who is it? Off the top, uh, today, it changes day to day. I think I got to go Gerald from uh, from Hey Arnold. Gerald from Hey Arnold, that's pretty good. Yeah, man. That's pretty good. I want to go with the Good Burger guy. Oh, wait, Kel from Good Burger? Kel from Good Burger. Welcome Ooh. to Good Burger. Home, home of, of the, the Good, good Burger. Burger. Can, Can I take, I your, take order? your order? Also, I got a... I don't know what's in the water. I don't know what the populace is. But last time I checked, Patty Mayonnaise beat out Uncle Iroh. I saw that yesterday, and I was like, yo, this is why, this is why we can't have fucking nice things. Y'all are fucking insane. So, respect and uh, justice for Uncle Iroh from Avatar. Are you an Avatar The Last Airbender fan? Yeah, yeah I am. 
I'm an Avatar The Last Airbender fan. I really dig it. I wrote one of the one of the worst, most scathing reviews I've written about any movie, though, is when I uh, reviewed M. Night Shyamalan's uh, The Last Airbender movie. Still when haven't I, seen it. Yo. <laughs> fuck, bro. Boy, M. Night Shyamalan is just, he's so interesting. M. Night Shyamalan, well, I want to do a whole podcast on M. Night Shyamalan. There's, there, I don't think there's been a more interesting career. Like, <laughs> I, I'm telling you, he, he, he bides his time. He gives you split. And then you think, okay, shit, M. Night is back. And then three movies later, you go, he's not back. And then he hits it out of the park again. I don't know. Anyway, but uh, but the, yeah, shout out to that. you guys. Stay with the ringer.com. Uh, it's Nick Week of the ringer.com. But today on the Midnight Boys, we are taking a look at the highly anticipated MCU Disney Plus series, What If. We've been looking forward to this, Charles. Of course, What If is based on those amazing Marvel one shots that, that we grew up reading, where they would take a character, throw them into a brand new set of circumstances, a brand new universe, a brand new set of powers, a brand new set of friends, and then you would be able to read about some of your favorite characters had their lives gone differently. This What If, though, threatens to uh, permanently alter and fundamentally alter the landscape of the MCU as we know it. All right? We're going to talk about that in a second. Also, House of Mal is back on Friday. A deep dive analysis of what if she get in there, get into Mal, some of the deeper, deeper dives, as well as some of the fun surprises she's going to have on there. Uh, Midnight Boys, instant reactions, House of Mal, deep, 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 deep. Deep Alodian. Oh, that was pretty good. That was pretty good. So they're going a little deeper right there. All right, Charles, it's time to get into it. Are you ready? Yeah, let's run that spoiler warning, Steve. You know what time it is. We're getting ready to talk about the episode. You're listening to a reaction podcast. The spoilers are coming. Here come the spoilers for episode one of What If. And in episode one of What If, we have the story of Agent Carter, Peggy Carter, becoming the first Avenger. Mm -hmm. Okay. Charles, your thoughts. All right. Before we get into first thoughts, I want to give like just a a blanket statement. Okay. I am going to be very honest about the first episode of Uh, What If. Here we go. I do not feel like this is just my feelings on it. Okay. Please, guys, if you liked it, more power to you. (laughs) This is just... (laughs) I got to be real. If everybody's like, we want Marvel movies and all superhero movies to be treated the same as, you know, Oscar movies and all this stuff. If that is true, then we need to be able to be critical about these things. And I just, blanket, did not really feel the first episode about it. (laughs) Like, I'm I'm really trying not to go in too hard, but it was not it. Van, I believe you watched it twice. What was your initial, not your second after the second watch, what was your initial reaction after you watched the first episode? So here's the thing. I'm glad you asked that. What was the initial? The initial after I watched the first one was, that's it? That's yes. the whole thing? <laughs> um, but after I watched it again... I think I was able to fall into the show a little bit more. So this is what happens to me. I don't know if this happens to other people that are out there. I think I almost have to fight with my expectations and enjoying some of these things sometimes. Not my expectations, but it's not expectations so much as it is my premonition of the show. I have a premonition of the show. I almost 
tell the future about how it's going to make me feel. And if I don't get that immediate feeling, um, then I have an adverse reaction. But that's not fair to the art. It's not fair to the show. You have to allow the art to imprint upon you something and like try to try to examine it and uh, enjoy it in a vacuum as much as possible. And on the first viewing, it's difficult to do. On the second viewing, it's a lot easier. Same thing happened with Suicide Squad. I think I told you that. So I actually enjoyed it. I actually enjoyed it because I think the second time I enjoyed it for what it was. What about it for you didn't land? All right, there's a couple things. I think the big blanket thing is that the first episode is essentially a retelling of Captain America, the first Avenger, which is a two-hour movie. And the twist of this is that Peggy Carter gets injected with the super soldier serum instead of Steve Rogers. I think the big on just a fundamental story level is they try to condense a two-hour movie into 30 minutes. And at points, the episode more so felt like a Wikipedia entry for Captain America, the first Avenger, instead of telling its own story. A lot of like the beats of it, I just, it wasn't enough of a twist. I think the greatest what-if stories like fundamentally make you think about this character differently or the story differently. And I don't think the twist was big enough for me to get that, wow, I never thought of like thought of it like that. It was just kind of like, oh, oh, okay, sure. Uh, so I think, and you said it yourself, the first viewing, I definitely did get the, that's that's the big salvo. That's it. That's that's the only thing we're we're getting. So what do you, like, story-wise, did you feel like it was too similar to Captain America, the first Avenger? Well, it essentially, well, yeah, of course. I mean, it's not too similar, but of course it was very similar. It's sort of retelling that story as if Peggy were the first Avenger. So you're going to get similarities and there are going to be some things that are the same. I think if I was to agree with you, what I would agree with is not even so much the beats of the movie, are Peggy Carter and Steve Rogers dissimilar enough for their stories not to be nearly identical if she had gotten Mm. the powers and not him? You know? Wouldn't this be a completely different story if Howard Stark? That's exactly what I was thinking. They're too altruistic. Like, Peggy and Steve have very similar moral compasses where it's like, a lot of this stuff that like Peggy does in this, I'm like, that's exactly what Steve would do. So it's not, you're not, I didn't feel like I learned anything about Peggy as a character through this. And if you, let's say you gave Howard Stark, Howard the, Howard Stark, even in this what if, they're just like, Howard, get in there. And he's like, no, I'm the guy who pushes the buttons. Like he, he like Tony is a very self-centered narcissistic. He's like, I'm not doing that. That makes no sense. Why would I want to become Captain America? And I think that actually probably would have been funnier and interesting because Howard Stark is not Steve Rogers. And he probably would have failed in ways that Steve never did. Well, that being said, though, I really enjoyed watching Peggy on point. I enjoyed watching her I enjoyed the dynamic of watching her leading the Highland Commandos. I enjoyed seeing some of these same things play out with with the spotlight on her. You know, I did not watch her ABC uh, series, Agent Carter. I never, I, ne- I never saw it. Well, here's the thing, though: I-, I love the fact that it existed. I love. I want to do a podcast one time where we talk about. Uh, Jomi says that he watched Agent Carter. Uh, and Steven watched Agent Carter as well. <laughs> but look, this is not uh, specifically about Agent Carter. I never watched Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. either, and I hear that that's a really good show. I didn't watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I didn't see any of that stuff. 
we do need to talk about some of Marvel's pump fakes. Some mm. of Marvel's. We want to do a whole show. I want it to be titled The MCU, What Didn't Work. I want to do that whole show because we never talk about the Inhumans. We act like the Inhumans are an outside bastard I'll be child. honest. I did watch the Inhumans. That was one of the worst superheroes TV shows I've ever watched. Right, right. It was pretty bad. <laughs> so, um, so, but when I say this is because... I didn't watch that show. It was so fun watching Peggy get to do her thing, man. It was fun to see her big. It was also fun to see, I think the best part of it, uh, it was fun to see a reverse of the relationship between her and Steve Rogers uh, because it it confirmed something that I always thought, which is that she liked Steve even before. That was my favorite part of the episode. Yeah, like that she liked Steve even before he underwent the experiment before he took the serum. I, she had a soft spot for Steve. She liked his heart. You know, she she didn't look. So what? Maybe he's not, you know, a big episode for the short Kings. Maybe he's not as, as you know, he became more after. He's big muscles. Chris Evans looks great, but I think she liked him before. And I like to see their relationship maintained because it, it really drove home the fact that they're actually soulmates and she's not just going after the quarterback of the football team. I actually think Captain America, the first Captain America, the first Avenger is not one of my favorite MCU entries. I think it was important to like set up Chris Evans's cap, but it was it was during that weird phase where like the MCU still kind of had misses like Iron Man 2 or Thor the Dark. It was like a weird phase for them. But the thing that I actually liked about What If is that it did a very, very good job where I think the first Avenger failed a little bit in selling Peggy, Cap, them being like, some like Cap being someone he would like rearrange all of time to go back and be with this woman. I think it did sell that in a way where I was just like, I actually want to see now more of this version of Peggy and this version of Steve's relationship. Now, the other thing that I think was like an uncanny valley thing, and probably I think the worst part of it is I'm a big animation buff. I love cartoons. I love animation, anime, US, like cartoons, whatever. Animation did not work in this. It, like, well, if the animation doesn't work in this one, then that's going to be a, a running theme for the entire show because I don't think that you're going to get much stylistic deviation in terms of what the animation is going to be. So you you fundamentally don't love the animation on What If. At least not in the first episode. I think the, there was a couple things. I think them so heavily basing this off of how the characters look is like a fundamental flaw because a lot of these characters, some of them are voiced by the actors that play them in the movies, but some are not. So there, there were moments in this where a character would talk, like my mind would be seeing them. Like they, even if they were a cartoon, I'm like, this still looks like the character. And then they would talk and I'm like, that's not their voice. And like that immediately did the thing that you never want a TV show or a movie to do, which is take you out of the thing. You know what I mean? Because there were some points where, like, I was like, that's not how that character is supposed to sound. And I think if I was, like, giving edits, I would be like, is there a version of this show where stylistically the characters look less like the actors? So even if we cannot get their voices right, at least when you're seeing them, we're like, oh, I know that's, like, a version of Captain America or Iron Man or whatever, but they're not waiting for this actor to show up. Is that totally, like, unfair? No. I mean, look, animation style is always... That's one of the things that I think, as a fan of anything, is the most subjective. 
sometimes when I'm watching DCEU content, I'll turn something on, like the DC Expanded Universe, you know, when you're watching those DC uh, animated movies, Mm -hmm. or even like uh, just the Marvel animated stuff. I'll turn it on, or even I'll watch a trailer for it, and if the animation doesn't work for me, I won't even watch it. Mm. Like they're like sometimes they, they did Batman and this shout out to all of my Attack on Titan fans, right? I, I like anime, but some of the Batman movies that they made were in an anime style uh, animation. For some reason, that doesn't work for me. I, like, yeah, it's I, harder I, to pull off for Batman. I I want to see Batman the way I envisioned him from the comic books. You, you know, it, it just it, it meshes things up for me. I, it was hard for me to wrap my head around it. So for me. You know, if the, if animation doesn't work for you, then th- there's nothing really. That's a completely personal thing. Like animation is one of the most embedded things into our subconscious yeah. as kids who grew up watching stuff on Saturday morning. And we know what we like when we see it. Even when Toy Story first came out back in the olden days, it took me a second to get used to that. You know, you it didn't take you a second because you I was a kid. Still, I, it was just what I knew. You know what me, I mean? Give me the cartoon, daddy. <laughs> That's what you were saying. This was you when Toy Story came out. All right, go see it. Hey, hey, it's Toy Story Day. It's just, I want to see it. Charles, we can't go see it. You guys will go. I want to go see the movie. That was you. You know what? You know what's going to make you feel old? What? I wasn't even old enough to see Toy Story in the theaters. <laughs> wow. Daddy, daddy, wait, daddy, wait. I want to see Toy Story with me. With, 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 with me, with me, it was like, hey man, y'all wanna y'all wanna catch the city bus down there to Cortana and go see Toy Story? This shit that they got that Toy Story shit out. Yeah, hey bro, drop your son off. We're gonna go see Toy Story real quick. Like, put your kids in daycare. Like I was old. I think it was like 94 or 95 or something like that. I was yeah. I was 14, 15 years old. So I was like, Mama, let me borrow the car. We're gonna go see we're gonna go see Toy Story. But here's the thing with animation that I think this show could have done but doesn't really nail is that I do think that like at its best animation does does something that like live action can't do live action is expensive you it can't really do as much as like you know it's it's endless it's your imagination I think like some of the best ones like were you a fan of Batman Batman the animated series like the OG one yeah yeah of course like, like that did something that the movies couldn't do it did something that the comic books didn't do like visually I could still see that. You know what I mean? And it informed the stories. I think with this, the style doesn't do anything. I'm like, the style just looks like an MCU approximation of like the MCU live action movies. And I think if I was like re-tinkering it, I would ask them, I'm like, is there a version of this show where you say like, what if every single episode is a different animation style? What if you did a robot chicken episode kind of like they did with Hulu's MODOK? What if you did like a Rick and Morty type episode or an anime type episode and it changes based on what the story is instead of doing the static thing where it's like either you like it or you don't. And I'm guaranteeing there's probably like 50% of the audience is like, no, I'll check you. <laughs> I'll check you when Miss Marvel comes out, when Hawkeye comes out. So it, to, to your point though, the reason why it works for me is because there's a certain offness about it which to me lends itself to the types of stories that are being told this is done in sort of like a twilight zone way a twilight zone feel you know you have the watcher coming in and at the end of it so there's a weird otherworldliness to the animation it seems like we're watching we're watching stories like we're the animation style almost allows us to your point earlier 
to put the actual people in the place of what it is that we're seeing. They're almost like placeholders for what our memories know really exist. And I think that's the reason why they're doing it. But to your point, though, if you're not digging the animation style, you're not digging the animation style. I wonder how you're going to overcome that in the in the in the future episodes. Chuck. I mean, I, I, do I think it'll reach these heights? No, but like Invincible was a show that early on I was just like, some of the animation in this yeah, is just not great. It. Yeah, yeah. But the story, how they pulled it out, like towards the end of the season, I'm just like, you could get over that. Like I like, there's a bunch of movies like I don't fuck with the animation, but I'm just like, if the story's good, the story's good. You know what I'm saying? Like there is some trash. Like, there's some movies that look like trash, but the story is so amazing. You're like, I don't even care, bro. I really don't care. This episode is brought to you by Brooks. Calling all running nerds, Brooks has just dropped the Go 16, a sweet name for an even sweeter shoe. If you're looking for comfort for that morning jog or when you're hopping on that treadmill, look no further than the Go 16, which has a nitrogen-infused cushioning. That means it's nice, soft, and lightweight. So you got the comfort, but you don't sacrifice the speed. Turn those everyday miles into everyday endorphins and the better-than-ever Brooks Go 16. Click or tap the banner to learn more. So let's talk about the story then. Let's talk about Agent Carter herself. So some of the biggest changes, obviously, Agent Carter becomes Captain Britain in this one. Captain Carter. Oh, they didn't call her Captain Britain. They called her Captain they Carter, which was like Captain weird. Britain. They didn't call her Captain Britain. They called her Captain Carter. Captain Britain is a completely different. And the reason, maybe the reason why they didn't call her Captain Britain in this, because there's a Captain Britain core in Marvel Comics, which are sort of like a, a, a galactic police force. I think they're like a multiversal type police force. And there's like a bunch of Captain Britons who like police their own multiverse. Right. Brian Braddock was the was the Captain Britain here. He was a member of a team called Excalibur, which, by the way, I had an Excalibur phase like crazy. Really? I, I, bro, I had such a crazy Excalibur phase. I don't know. People out there, tell me if you fucked with Excalibur. So there was a point where Excalibur had Captain Britain. It had uh, Nightcrawler was in it. They had a couple other guys, and I really enjoyed Excalibur because they were all part of the same X-Men universe world type of deal. Like, I was reading X-Force. I was reading X-Factor. You know, I was reading Strife's Strike Files, which was a one-off. And then Excalibur was, you know, Nightcrawler was in Excalibur. He had been tied to the X-Men. I really got it was, Excalibur It was Rachel Gray. I think Kitty Pryde Rachel was Gray, in it. Rachel Gray, Pride, Kitty Pryde. Yeah, they had they had some people in it. And I was digging them. I was really digging them as a team. So, uh, you know, I'm very familiar with Captain Britain. And they didn't go full on by making her Captain Britain. Although, she does do a little interdimensional shit here. Um, and we'll talk about the big villain that shows up, who I believe is the big villain that shows up uh, at the end of this. But I dug it. I thought the most important changes to her character were the fact that she actually gets to don the shield, which is a very important mantle in Marvel. And and also, just that as Captain Carter, she took on a leadership role and not an auxiliary role, which put a little bit of peg on Front Street uh, differently than I had seen her, right? Because I told you I didn't watch the show. And also seeing her will powers and figure them out and go back and forth with Howard and have a love story where it's actually a love story from her perspective and not from Steve's perspective. It was cool. It was a little hors d'oeuvre of it. It was a little bite of it. It was an appetizer of it. But I dug it for the 30 minutes that we get to, that we got to see. What I want to pose to you. Now, we know the future of the Marvel Universe. I don't think we're ever, like, unless it's your first movie, 
we are never seeing a solo movie again, unless it's your first. Captain Marvel, her is going to be the Marvels. She's going to have Miss Marvel in it. I think I heard rumors that Blue Marvel is going to be in Marvels. They just, rumors are they cast Blue Marvel in it. Same thing with Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange is going to have Loki. It's going to have Scarlet Witch. Like, if you get a movie now, there's going to be multiple in it. Do you think there is a version of Captain America 4 that has the Falcon in it, but also has Captain Carter and potentially maybe Bucky doing his own Captain America thing? Yeah, they could just call that bitch the Captains. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, I wouldn't be surprised if it's just going to be the Captains and there's just going to be a bunch of Captain Americas running around. But see, I'll tell you why that's going to be a problematic for Marvel. If Marvel were to do that, a lot of people are going to say what? They're going to say, oh, okay. So you got a black Captain of Marvel, uh, Captain America, and now you got to do Captain Americas of the whole fucking Serengeti. You got to do <laughs> Captain Americas a, a worldwide. There wasn't no million captains when it was Steve Rogers. Ooh, speak on it. People gonna people gonna say that. I'm not sure if they're gonna do that though. I'm not. I'm not sure where this character is gonna. I go mean, from but Spider Man. The rumor is we get two other Spider Men in it, so it's like it does seem like this is their way to like backdoor a hey like. Everybody, like women, y'all get a Captain America. Black people, y'all get a Captain America. Hey, MAGA bros, y'all get a Captain America. Shout out U.S. agent. U.S. agent. Wow, U.S. agent. MAGA bros, Captain America. U.S. Yeah, agent. They, they, U.S. agent definitely would have stormed the Capitol. <laughs> oh, he'd lead the charge, bro. He'd lead the charge. Like, can you imagine? That's the what if that I want to see. You, let, you know what, Marvel? Let the Midnight Boys. Let Six Steve, Jomi the Explainer, Coke Baby Chuck, and old man Van, let us do the what ifs. Because our what ifs would be dope. Can I have a corner? I have a bunch of, you asked me last, last uh, episode, you were like, you, what would be your what ifs? I came back to you with some. After we're done with this episode, After let me we're pitch done you. with this episode, we'll, we'll, we'll do that. If you stick, stick around post credits, you'll hear Charles' what ifs. But <laughs> what, if, what if US agents stormed the Capitol? Stormed the Capitol? Uh, what do you feel like was the best pure action scene in this episode? Oh, I loved when um when Peggy came in. She was riding on the the motorcycle. They're all shooting at her like and like she kicks the motorcycle into the into the watchtower and shit. Like that was that was hard. That was hard. That was definitely hard. I I enjoyed that. Um, I actually liked. I think it's an action scene and it's obviously a drama piece to push the the narrative of the episode forward. I liked how they redid the actual uh, experimentation. Super Soldier Serum Vitae scene. I, I was wondering how they were going to do that. I was wondering if they were going to kill Steve Rogers. I was wondering if, uh, because remember, you couldn't just do something where she took the serum because it wasn't the same formula that we see in Captain America and the Winter Soldier. It's a different formula. So that serum needed the Vitae. It needed all of that stuff. So someone was going to have to uh, volunteer for the experiment uh, in Steve's place. And I liked seeing how they did that. I enjoyed seeing that they, you know, had somebody bust in. She saw it. Steve got shot because Steve Rogers is trying to do his heroic thing because that's what's in his heart. He's still got the same heart. He's down, although no one ran over to attend to Steve who was gut shot, okay? Gut shot. Like, gut shot. It's like, okay, you chill here. I'm going to go jump in the thing. It's like, at least in a medic out. My man, Steve, like he's frail. Uh, so I liked seeing the way they did that. And then she comes out and she's all big. She's buff and the, the whole thing. Carter makes the sacrifice play in the end. She has to push the monster, which we're going to talk about this monster, the Hydra monster, 
through the door at the end. Do you feel like it was as dramatic and as hard-hitting as the sacrifice play that Steve had to make when he, you know, flew a plane into the Arctic or whatever to, to save the whole eastern seaboard? I'm going to be honest, not really. It didn't have the same emotional weight. If I, if I was doing a what if, because we know that Captain Carter is going to be here, I was just like, damn, they could have done the whole like flying over the, the water because what I would have wanted is this version of Steve Rogers to become Winter Soldier. But instead of them like injecting him with stuff, he's just basically like Iron Man for like the Russians. You know what I'm saying? But in this version, like we're never going to get a Winter Soldier because she just does the chop, chop, chop. So the monster goes to another and it's not as emotional. Like you don't feel like she's losing as much. You feel me? Because she can go home. That I, I was wondering about that, by the way. I was wondering about whether or not we were going to get a parallel Winter Soldier story because there's really not. Because the Winter Soldier wasn't, it's not a one-to-one, right? I, I guess Steve would be her Winter Soldier, kind of. Maybe, but it would have to have been somebody that she was friends with when she was a kid that followed her. And so it's not, exactly the same thing and you had you had buck there so it's not it wasn't there wasn't really a natural place to have a winter soldier character pop in and be that same thing but if they had one i guess it would have been steve because it was the person that she had the biggest connection to and the person that she probably would have been shocked a super shocked to see turned into a hydra agent after you know after all of that time so i guess that would have been the thing steve in the hydra stomper so Peggy Carter remains, even in Captain America, the first Avenger, a very he- heroic character. Uh, she's able to do that because of the skills that she has. One of the things that they had to do in this particular episode of What If was the fact that Steve Rogers doesn't have very many skills, which is why he was pre-experiment Steve Rogers. So how were we going to make Steve Rogers into someone that could still contribute to the things that were going on when we know that there wasn't much he was going to be able to do in a fight. The Hydra Stomper was the way that they did that. What did you think about Steve essentially becoming the first Iron Man? I thought that was a smart choice. Like, I thought that that, like, it kept Steve in it. It made you, like, realize, and I think we all realized this, that, like, Steve is a hero, whether he, like, has a super soldier serum or not. Like, when in the first adventure he jumps on the grenade, that's when, as an audience, we realize, oh, this is why he's Steve Rogers. It doesn't matter if he's strong or weak. He's going to save people. So making him this this version of Iron Man, that worked for me. And it gave us more time to just see not only Peggy and Steve fall in love, but to see how they fight together. That's, yeah. that's super interesting to me. Yeah, yeah. And it was finally a time where they were able to kind of be in a battle at the same time both really kicking some ass, you know, because in the film, she takes more of a strategic role. You know, she's very involved. Don't get me wrong. Peggy can get down, but she's like an agent, not really in the field. You know, that's even said to her in the show. Uh, One thing that was interesting to me is that Steve has, uh, uh, Steve is a master military tactician. That's probably Captain America's superpower to me. It was interesting seeing him miscast, cast out of that. It was interesting to see him just as a tasker. Like, Steve Rogers doesn't have all the answers. He comes in in a, in a scrape, but somebody else has got to be there to figure it out uh, and make the big sacrifice and really come up with the, the, the big play. It was cool. It was cool to see Steve as something other than the leader because in all of the MCU, we only ever got to see that Steve Rogers for, what, 45 minutes maybe? 
And other than that, you know, we were watching a buff guy find himself in a new, in a brand new time. So I liked I like I like seeing more of the character. I miss Steve Rogers, man. I missed him. I was, I I miss was glad him. to see yeah. The MCU ain't the same without him. I do have to ask you a moral question, a moral dilemma. Can I can I ask you this question real quick? Please do it now. All right. So let's say Captain Carter does keep traveling through the multiverse and she ends up in our MCU. Like, let's say she ends up in like a Captain America film, an Avengers film, whatever. If one of our heroes, either Falcon or Bucky, shoot their shot at Captain Carter, is that a foul play? No. You don't think so? No. Because they know their boy, they know their boy is still alive in another timeline with with a version of Peggy. But if it's a different dimension version of Peggy, it's not a foul play. So this is why. So I'll tell you why I have to think about it. Part of me looks at that and they, they go, of course it's a foul play. But let me tell you why I don't think it is. I don't think it is because I wonder if the Peggy that fell in love with little Steve is going to have the same feelings for the legend Steve. Hmm. At this point, she's swole, right? She's swole. She's swole. She can do all kinds of things, right? Maybe she don't want to go back and forth. Maybe she don't want to arm wrestle with her man. Maybe she don't want to go on distance runs 13 miles in 30 minutes. Maybe she don't want to do that. Maybe she likes it the way she got it. Sisters are doing it for themselves. Hmm. It's not what she wants. She probably wants somebody like Falcon, right? Because let's face it. If Captain Carter and Falcon get together, guess what? It's time for Falcon. Back to the sidekick role, T-Mobile. <laughs> like it's like it's like like it's back to the T-Mobile sidekick role. He's just not going to be the one. It's going to be like, yo, I think we should go up here and do this, Captain Carter. Yeah, man, maybe. Let me think. Let me figure it out, Falcon. You know, you Ooh. look good taking orders, but you know, but Falcon might like that. We get into a whole relationship dynamic. It's turned into an adult conversation, but Falcon might like being dominated. Who knows? So my whole thing is like, I, I think it would. My first thought is it would be bad, but my second thought is she just can't come here and not have love. You know, I, no. I was saying, is it a foul play if your boys, because Falcon and Bucky are like, are, are like, are Steve's boys. They're his best friends, and now they're shooting their shot at an, at a, like another alternate version of his wife. No, I think I don't think it's bad. I all think right. I don't think Fair it's enough. bad at all. She comes from a different dimension. It's a different time. But you know, I think I think it would probably be best for Bucky. You know, I think Bucky has the most, you know what I mean? I think Bucky has the most to to kind of... They could trauma bond over it. A yeah. trauma bond over it. You know, talk about how little Steve was. Remember little Steve? She probably, he probably, Bucky probably looked at her and goes, I loved him. He used to put newspapers in his shoes. <laughs> then they kiss. All right. Okay, so at the end of the episode, we get a Hydra monster because we haven't talked enough about Hydra in here. The Red Skull is back. Hydra is back. Hydra plays essentially the same role in this episode of What If as they played in Captain America, the first Avenger. Not too much deviation from what Hydra wants. Hydra wants the, tetra the Tesseract. Hydra wants ultimate power. And uh, the Tesseract is going to bring them to that ultimate power, power of their tech. We see Armin Zola in this. We see all of the, reg the regular uh, suspects, the usual suspects, shall I say, from Captain America, the first Avenger, and of course the Red Skull himself. At the end of this episode, the Red Skull uses the Tesseract, uh, which is of course the space zone, to open up a door and through this becomes a tentacled Hydra monster. Now, the minute that I saw this monster with the tentacles coming through and the tentacles coming out and grabbing people and Peggy Carter has to fight the monster and push it back through the door and all of that, I thought that's Shumagorath. I thought I, I thought that that was Shuma Gorath. And the Yo, reason for the people thought, that at home don't know, 
Can you break down the history of Shumagorath? Can't break down the history of Shumagorath. I mean, Shumagorath is an interdimensional, uh, huge, gigantic, villainous thing. You know what? Lord of Chaos. You know, Lord, Lord of Chaos. Uh, and he's a he's going to be he's going to show up in uh, the multiverse of madness, Doctor Strange, the multiverse of madness. And you know, if, if you're familiar with Marvel, you've seen Shumagorath, who's one of the most powerful beings in all of the Marvel universe. Definitely one of the most powerful beings in all of the Marvel universe. Ancient, hell-bent on destruction, and a frequent foe of Doctor Strange. And because Shumagorath is going to show up also, a cool curveball character to play in Marvel vs. Capcom 2. It's one of those characters, if you play Marvel vs. Capcom 2, and you see a guy picking Shumagorath, either he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing, <laughs> or he knows what the fuck he's doing so much that he's picking Shumagorath to show people that his Shumagorath can be your sin. Wait, let's let's stay on this really quick. Van, who is your go-to character, Marvel vs. Capcom? Like, can't lose. Oh, I'm, it's God tier. So Marvel vs. Capcom 2 is going to be Storm, Sentinel Cable, Storm, Sentinel Magneto. Uh, if I want to play like a, a rushdown team, it would be Magneto, Storm, Psylocke. You know, uh, every, that's a very, very common team that people play. But it got to the point in the game where the characters in Marvel vs. Capcom 2 were so powerful that you could literally only pick three or four characters and hope to win. You had some assist characters that were great, but you could only pick three or four, and you had to have Sentinel. Sentinel is by far the best character on the game. He's just ridiculous. So yeah, it would be that. What about you? Did you play Did you play the game a lot? I didn't play the game a lot. I only played the game. The only time I played the game is just like at friends' houses. So I like I was the the dude who would come over. You like, "Dog, you're mashing buttons. Like stop fucking mashing buttons, bro. Like learn how to play the game." So, I got to tag out. I am not as deeply into the Shumagorths and the Cathones and all of these guys that are part of the Doctor Strange universe as I will be. Uh, of course, I know where Chaos Magic and all of that stuff comes from as, re- as it relates to Cathone and all of those characters, but Shumagorth is one of the big, huge bats. The question I'm asking you is, was that Shumagorth that we saw? Because the tentacles looked like it was Shumagorth, but we did not see what's signature to the character, which is the gigantic eye uh, that is in the center of, 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 of Shumagorth. And it seems as if it would be a cool time to introduce him but I can't be sure if that was him or just some kind of other crazy monster that they came up with. The reason why I wouldn't be surprised if it's him is that, like, we talked about it in the previous episode. If they're saying all of this is canon, all of this exists, there has to be a reason why they made all of this canon. You feel me? Interesting. And if people are, like, going to go see Doctor Strange, I wouldn't be surprised if by, like, the mid-season, towards the end of the season, like, oh, this is Shumagorath to watch his next adventure, go see Doctor Strange. Like, I could see that being a thing and the reason why they had to make this all make sense canon-wise. So, question. Does it matter if it's Shumagorth? Because I was talking to my brother about it. He was like, yeah, it's probably him, but who cares if it's him or not? Like, it's like, does it... Is, is introducing the villain like this that's going to be in Multiverse of Madness, is, it, is there some more... Is there some more significance to the fact that they would do this? The only significance is, like, if I'm being skeptical, if I'm being, like, negative, like, hot take, Charles, if we're being real, you would say most people are going to look at what if and being like, ah, I can skip that one. You know what I'm saying? Just because based off its animation. I know people, if I tell them to watch an animated movie, whatever, they're immediately like, nah, I'm not doing that. Why would I do that? That's kid shit. I do think if they introduce, like, a Shumagorath in it, there might be people who are Doctor Strange fans, WandaVision fans, who are like, 
all right, damn, they're going to go on Twitter. They're going to go on Facebook, go on Instagram. Like, all right, I guess I got to watch it, you know? And that's how they get people invested in something that's going to be very hard to get people invested in just because a lot of people I know do not fuck with animation. And that's, I think that's another reason why you've seen the brass at Marvel talk about how this could possibly be canon because what they're saying is you have to watch this. You need to watch this. So over the course of the next couple of episodes, what we'll probably see them doing is putting things in there and planning things in there that have a great deal of importance because these things have to be consequential. They have to be consequential. That's what the MCU has made them, made itself into. It just all has to mean something. Wait, all can right. I ask you before we wrap up this really quick about being consequential? Okay. When we were doing the Suicide Squad episode, you were talking about how like it's going to be tough for Marvel where they are in a space where they are experimenting a lot. If I was saying the one thing as a fan that like I'm running up against that's making things hard to enjoy is that it still seems like we're so stuck in like the Infinity Saga and the past and remixing the past, whether it's like Black Widow or Loki or some of the stuff in WandaVision and Falcon. And I did enjoy parts of all of those, but it does still feel like we are so stuck in kind of like the greatest hits of what the MCU gave us instead of like, yo, what's the future? What's the present of the MCU? You know what, you know what I mean? Um, I, I can understand why you would be saying that. I'm what I'm. I, what I guess I'm trying to figure out is, you don't feel like there was more to those stories. I mean, you can't just turn the page. You have to sort of move forward, and, and you, you know what I mean. You don't feel like there was more oh, to I those like, stories. I feel like there was more, but I do feel like yo, we're at the point where I'm seeing these. I'm hearing about these stories. I'm I'm seeing these stories remixed so many times because they're TV shows, and because Black Widow was in was set in the past. I, I can't lie to you. I'm like, I'm itching to see like, yo, what's the future? Like, I want Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness to show me, to get me excited for the future in the same way like the last episode of Loki did, where it's like, all right, cool, we got Kang. All right, cool, we got new villains. All right, we're like, we're marching forward instead of being like, all right, you remember this movie that released 10 years ago? Mm, we're going to okay. do it again. You know, that's my only, that'd be my biggest pet peeve. Yeah, okay. I mean, but you know, when you do the what ifs, just as a function, you're going to have to do the what-ifs with characters that we already know. Oh, I think you could do it with characters we already know, but I do think that, like, we need to be, and this might happen in episode two and three, if they push the concept crazy, 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 I think then I'll, I'll enjoy it a lot more. Make me, make me do some shit that I would have never thought of. That's what I think the challenge is going to be. Fair enough, fair enough. And I guess for me, I am solidly... You know, I don't want to separate myself from the people here. I am solidly, solidly confident that we're going to see a little bit more experimentation and a little bit more what ifiness of from the what if uh, show in the next couple of weeks. I really enjoyed this one. I thought it was cool to watch. Did it give you the same feel as some of the shows that we just watched? Uh, where the stakes were crazy. No, but remember, we're watching Marvel's version of the Twilight Zone right now, and I thought that they have done a really good job at selling that this is Marvel's version of the Twilight Zone. Um, so just kind of stay, enjoy the ride, episode to episode, and see what they can what they can pull out of their hat. So I, I enjoyed it. We're going to be checking in on What If uh, every single week here, but I thought that the first one, not perfect, but was a lot of fun. Was a lot of fun. Was a lot of fun. And Charles, you're... Even though you may have not been as good on this one, it wasn't enough to make you to sour you on the whole series. I think I'm. I think I'm going to give them. Here's the thing. <laughs> I'll try to. I'm going to no. I'm like to. no. I'm being positive. Like I just like there have been there have been stuff that I have not liked in the beginning of the TV shows, 
And like they end up sticking the landing. So I think I've learned like same like Loki. I've learned like I'm like they ain't doing Kang. They ain't introducing Kang. They're not going to do that shit. And they did. So I think like they have enough rope for me to be like, all right, like let them let them get a couple episodes in. You know what I'm saying? Let's check in episode five. And if it hasn't grabbed me in episode five, that's a them problem. But I got to give them rope to like show us like what they're working with. So, yeah, I think I'm going to I'm going to give it a little bit of rope to see like if they can stick the landing. I hope they will. We're up. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. All right. Now, there is something that was just announced yesterday. Uh, Idris Elba is playing Knuckles Woo! in Sonic 2. Nuck, 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 if you buck. Nuck, nuck, if you buck. Shout out to Idris Elba. You guys don't even know Nuck if you buck. You guys don't know that. Shout out to the black men out there getting their bag, getting they getting their Hollywood bag. Idris is running it up right now. I'll do his thing. I, I won't lie. There was a couple. There was a couple stretches. There was a couple years stretch where I was like, "Idris is done out here." Like he picked wow. some role. When? He picked, like what? It's about the dark tower. What was tower? the one that got like bashed? It was the Stephen King one he did. The dark tower. Like, yeah, I was, it, I was, I was, I was insanely upset. And I don't want to be negative, but I have to be honest. I didn't devote all of my life to reading about the gunslingers, about Flag, about all of these guys. Right about <laughs> Roland to have them turn around and put out that Air Blood's bullshit that they put out when they when they made The Dark Tower. They didn't even fucking try. That is one of the richest, most textured works of fiction. Stephen King is such a brilliant writer. And for them to turn around and put out that Air Blood's bullshit, I was very, very upset. I didn't blame Idris. I just played, I pretended like the movie never existed. Matthew McConaughey never did it. Idris Elba never did it. It never happened. Go back and I'll read the books. Plus, if you're going to do The Dark Tower, you can't do it in the movie. You have to do like a nine, ten-part HBO miniseries or something like that. But shout out to Idris Elba. He is Knuckles. And in celebration of him being Knuckles, we're going to do something called three-on-three. Three categories, three picks per categories based upon one fandom theme. We're going to make our own picks. Jomi and Steve are going to 
team up for the third pick in each category, okay? It's like a, almost like a mini draft. This is the video games edition that we're doing of three on three. Top three movies based on the video game. Top three movies with video game aesthetics. Top three movies you'd like to see become video games. And then you're gonna do, we're going to direct you to socials and we're going to figure out who won. Now, we have a problem here. We have an issue here. Normally, Jomi is he who moderates. But Jomi is actually playing. So the question is, and I'll ask this to all the Midnight Boys right now, who's moderating this? Who's putting this together, Steve? We are going to be directing everybody else to see who their favorite picks are and who even their picks will be. Ooh, okay, okay, okay. okay. All right, cool. Wait, who, who, who gets to go first, though? Van, Charles, and then myself and Jomi. And then do we do a reverse or Van always gets the first pick? Uh, Van will always get the first pick. This is always not a first draft. Pick. This is not a serpentine. T- Charles, I see you're offended right now. Wait, but how am I supposed to win? He's going to take everything off the board. This, this isn't a competition. This is this is about you. This is about you. This isn't about taking anything off the board. Oh wait, this so wait, so we can we can double up on on picks. I mean, if it's if it's the exact same pick that you like, sure. All right, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> All right, I have the first pick uh, in in uh, video game movies. I am picking a Mortal Kombat. Now, now, hold on, Van. Now, hold on, Van. Which year? The original. The fuck? Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, there might have been a couple of Mortal Kombat movies. Yeah, yeah. The, the original Mortal Kombat. Definitely not Annihilation. I didn't I didn't mind this new Mortal Kombat. I thought it was cool, but I like the, the original one better. But shout out to my man, Mikhail Brooks, who plays Jackson, this new one. Why do you why do you like it so much? What makes it so good? Because because let's see, let's be honest, the track record for video game movies, not great. Pretty bad. The original Mortal Kombat movie was a delight. It represents represents a time in my life. It was very fun. It was like we all went to the theaters to see it. We had the lowest expectations of any <laughs> possible uh, movie that you could go see, and because it didn't, because they spoke coherently, and the movie had a three act structure, and they were able to make Goro not look terrible. It was a rousing success for us. And when I go back and watch it now, it's still a lot of fun to watch. Great martial arts fun. Uh, has some character arts. I love Johnny Cage in it. So that's 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 the reason why I would pick that one. I think that still remains the greatest movie video game adaption of all time. Very good pick. Charles. Ooh, all right, guys. I saw this, I saw this in a theater, and similar to Van, I had the lowest expectations for this movie ever. Like it just had to be semi-coherent for me to think it's the best thing ever. I love Detective Pikachu. Detective Pikachu. Oh, wow. Okay. That's a good pick. That's a good pick. It was funny. Like, it it made me believe that Pokemon could be in the world. Ryan Reynolds did his fucking thing. Like, Detective Pikachu is not as bad as people might think it is. Like, it's a Oh, Detective Pikachu is good. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what did you you initially think when you first heard that Ryan Reynolds was going to be cast as Pikachu? Because I'm not going to lie that that was very shaky to me. It was, it was the. I thought it was going to fail. I thought basing a whole movie around Detective Pikachu was dumb. I was just like, give me a Pokemon <laughs> movie where they're like, they're like fucking beating the shit out of each other. But man, like Ryan Reynolds hold, held that movie together. I love, I love and, that. And, and by the way, yeah. that movie is a better movie than the original Mortal Kombat. If just, just on like judging it from a straight film aspect, I just have never given a fuck about Pokemon. What? Wait, how old were you when the first Pokemon came out? I don't know. I don't know. I Have you never to, played uh, a Pokemon game ever? 
I played Pokemon Go for a little while. Like with that's me not a po- hey, we all that's did. Not a, we all did. Ben was like thirty five when Pokemon Blue came out. Let's not <laughs> like like we we like Pokemon. Like I play. I was walking around with my phone, have, like literally being angry with people that would be like, "Yo, man, I love you on TMZ." I'd be like, "Yo, shut the fuck up." You don't see me fucking looking for the goddamn. I'm looking for the Charizard fucking thing. I'm at. I'm out at Santa Monica. I'm literally leaving work and driving out to Santa Monica to try to catch water Pokemon. And it's not just me. It's like 300 people in Santa Monica, and we're all on our phones looking around. I was into it for a while. And Wait, then, can I just say that I I could make the argument that Pokemon Go was like the only moment in human history of like peace. Like that was a moment in New York, like where you would be talking to your neighbor. Like you would be like, oh, we both playing Pokemon Go. Like people were outside. Like that's right. fucking wild. Like it was yeah. peak 2016. It was peak, peak 2016. 2016. Peak 2016. Yeah, Van, I don't think Van played Pokemon because by the time the Game Boy came out, he was a man. So yeah. yeah. Like he wasn't out there like that. Look, look, you guys, you guys, you can't fucking I'm I'm old. I don't give a fuck. I enjoy it. <laughs> I got to see things. I got to do things that you little bastards never did. I remember I was I lived through the Eddie Murphy era. Fuck you guys. Who you guys got? You guys got Dane Cook. Fuck it. It was whoa, better. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We, got Dave we got Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle is ours. Ours? Who is ours? Who is ours? Killing Me Softly came out when I was in college. All of you guys were itching your daddy's crotch. Dave wow. Chappelle is ours. Wow. So wow, that's so, crazy. So 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 anyway, Van oh, really take, bragging. Van really bragging because he got to see John F. Kennedy assassinated. He remembers real. where he was. He's bragging because he actually yeah, saw crazy. Brontosaurus's. I, but, but, yeah. but I was the trigger man. Okay, I was the guy. I took. I took. I took him out. He had to go. He Van was the grassy knoll. He disrespect the mafia, baby. Operation wow. Mongoose. He had to go. Anyway, uh, could somebody else pick, please? Could somebody else pick, please? Thank you. <laughs> so, <laughs> Jomi and I have have come together on this pick. Uh, I've actually I've seen this movie. It's it, it's it, you kind of got to dig for games based on movies to be good. And there was a very surprising movie that came out this year called Werewolves Within. It is based on a Ubisoft game called Werewolves Within. It stars Sam Richardson of uh, I think you should leave fame. It is oh, a murder yeah. mystery yeah. Uh, with a hometown sheriff. Figuring out who in his town is a werewolf. It is hilarious. It is very fun. And I highly recommend it. Sam Richardson forever. All right. Okay. I respect that pick. I haven't seen the movie, but I do like Sam Richardson. I, did, Whenever he I shows literally up, didn't know that it was hilarious. based on a video game until I saw a Ubisoft logo come on to the title cards for what this movie was. I was like, what? what? This is a video Damn, game? All right. Movie? Put it in Movie Mondays. Maybe we should do a nice Movie Mondays. Ooh, hey, I actually, in our next ca- category, I have a pick where I feel like we should do Movie Mondays. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm, in, I'm into that. I just let you guys know that that's cool that y'all picked that, but you know, nobody gives a fuck about that movie. I'm trying to put you on some game, Van. I'm trying to put you on something that you don't know about. He's trying to, you know, he trying to get you outside. Van, negative as fuck. Yeah, wow. Yeah, Sam Richardson hate. Negatives as, negative as fuck. You didn't like what if? They about to kick your ass oh, off wait, this podcast. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's two weeks in a row. <laughs> like, that's two weeks. That's two weeks in a row. You came on here shitting on the Suicide Squad. All right. So uh, now I get to do top three movies. I get to do based on video game aesthetics. Yes, sir. Yes, with video game aesthetics. Uh, that's easy. Scott Pilgrim versus the World is took my pick. Like my pick. Scott Pilgrim versus the World is literally one of my favorite films that's ever been made. By the way, the fact that Scott Pilgrim versus the World didn't make like. $400 million just shows me that I'm on a different wavelength than the rest of these people, that we're on a different wavelength. It is a perfect movie. When I say perfect, Scott Pilgrim versus the world is a perfect film. Listen, 
Here's the thing. I don't know if you guys know this. I love garlic bread. I could just eat garlic bread all <laughs> well, day long. Fun fact about garlic bread, Van. What? It makes you fat. Bread makes you fat? <laughs> <laughs> Scott Pilgrim versus the world is my pick. The greatest thing oh, about that movie he- is like, we got so many superheroes from that movie, right? Like Brie Larson's in there. Chris Evans is in there. Brandon Routh, who plays Superman, is in there. Yeah. Like, it's just chock full <laughs> of of stuff. It's it's an incredible film. Yeah. Chris Evans is amazing in that movie. Chris Evans is like incredible at playing oh, that douchebag way back from when uh, Not Another Teen Movie, just that douchebag where he, uh-huh. like one of my favorite lines that he's ever said, he's like, I like it when I'm getting blazed in the back of my Winnie. Like, yeah. <laughs> he's yeah. just an absolute <laughs> jerk. Yeah, yeah. Love it. That's a, a perfect film. Like, yeah. Wait, Scott Pilgrim, the old, like Scott Pilgrim is in rarefied air. It has a perfect movie. It has a perfect comic book series and it has a perfect video game. Like yes, everything about Scott Pilgrim yeah. is fucking amazing. Have you played the Scott Pilgrim video game, Van? I have. I have it's so good. Video game. Yeah, it's amazing. And by the way, by the way, I, I want to say that Scott Pilgrim versus the world was a graphic novel first, right? Yes. Great graphic it became, novel. Mm-hmm. It became a video game, so almost not good for the character. Not, almost not in the category, but still. Uh, we'll make, it, ado- we'll make it adopts a lot of video game aesthetics, and it's a very valid pick. La- yes. Last thing, last thing I'll say about it, since I think we have all the same pick, is that like Brie Larson's Black Sheep, man, ten out of ten song, so good. Wait, didn't they release that on streaming recently? It's an amazing song. They just it's did, an amazing yes, sir. They they did not. It was it was weird because it was one of those situations where she performs a song, and I'm watching her perform the song, and I go, "Do I love her?" <laughs> Or is it the song? I don't know. I mean, like, listen, like, let's, love, let's be honest, I, man. Yo, call love, Van's mom. Like, she's going to be like, Van, I see your taste is changing. I almost got kicked out the culture early. Because let's say I would have ran into Brie at, Star, at Starbucks in like 2011. I'd have been like, <laughs> oh, my God. Would you have shot your shot, Van? Would you have, would you have done the like, yo, what's going on? I'm from TMZ. Hey, man, I love Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Will you marry me? You know what I mean? And then, uh, and then I'm on. And then I'm on TMZ. I got the white wife, and then it just never happens. I say something to Kanye. I say, I say something to Kanye, and they go, "Hey, you ain't even down for the sisters." But it didn't happen. <laughs> Shout out. Now, Van, I'll I'll level with you, man. Like I was I was late to Scott Pilgrim. It came out like when I was like a little younger. But uh, Twenty One Jump Street, I was right there with you. Brie Larson, yeah, I was right there with you. That one was weird though because they were old. And he was with a college girl. He was with a high school girl. We see you. We see you. That would be a perfect movie one day. I would rewatch Scott Pilgrim any day. What a any perfect day. fucking movie. Any day. Perfect. All right, Charles. All right. If I can't choose Scott Pilgrim, I think the only other runner-up would be Wreck-It Ralph. Perfect. Okay. Movie. I love mm, Wreck-It Ralph. Yeah. Wreck-It Ralph is a really, really, really good video game movie. I, 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 oh, yeah, of course. It takes place in a video I game. I fucking cried. <laughs> it's so good. Like I like I was I saw it at the Grove. I used to when I worked for TMZ. Uh, so when I worked for TMZ, I feels like I have a story with every movie. But I'm old. Like like <laughs> when I when I worked for TMZ, I would go shoot at the Grove, right? And so I would be there with the Grove, waiting for cameras, uh, waiting with for celebrities, leech, parasite against humanity, whatever. It was it was a check. So I would I would go there and I'd be waiting. But here's the thing, I would get to the Grove right after the morning meeting, and that would be like, I don't know, eight o'clock. Nobody shows up at the Grove until like 11 or 12 because it's like a mall type of situation, right? Yeah. So what I would do is as soon as the movie theater would open, 
I would go to the movies. <laughs> Hell yeah. By yourself? By myself. And I would Going be, to the movies when, by yourself is, a, is the best. But Great. here it is. It's a, it was like a private screening, though, because this was like the 9 o'clock show, 9.15 show, and there was never anybody in there. Never. And one day, and but, but your picks were very limited. And one day, I decided I would see Wreck-It Ralph. I had no interest. And I go in there, and I sit down, and I watch a Wreck-It Ralph. And by the end of the movie, he's finding his purpose. And I'm like crying in my popcorn. I'm like, yo, like it, I, I never expected that movie to be that good. It was just something that I saw, but I loved it. So if I'd have thought about it, I might have also, I would have almost chose that one because like it was really, really good. What are you guys going to pick? What, what's left? Well, we here. We coalesced. We thought about it. We put our heads together. Only pick left, Tron. Tron Legacy specifically. Never actually saw Tron Legacy. I, here's the thing. I unfairly maligned uh, Tron Legacy. Uh, some would say it's boring. I would agree. Some would say it's very long. I would also agree. But you could do a whole lot worse for a super awesome looking movie with Daft Punk in it and yeah. a bunch of cool uh, chase sequences. Uh, it, it's yeah. awesome. There's a dumb CGI Jeff Bridges in it that doesn't look that bad, but it's kind of bad. <laughs> uh, Olivia Wilde is great. You know, God bless uh, it, it it's really really cool looking, and I think something that we probably missed out on for uh, a possible good Disney trilogy. Bring back Tron. Still, still one of the best, one of the coolest movies I saw in the theater. Tron Legacy. Yeah, I was so too. It was so I was so like. Did you so see excited. it in 3D when like 3D was popping off? Yeah, I saw it in yeah. 3D when 3D was popping off. Mm, at the glasses, at the glasses and stuff. But it was it, I, I really did enjoy it. It's not it's not bad at all. All right. Third category. Top three movie you'd like to see become a video game. This one was a hard one for me. I don't know why. Like, I don't know why this one was a hard one for me. I was thinking about all the films out there and the films that I like and the movies I would like to see become a video game. But I got one. John Wick. Wait, there's not a John Wick video game already? I don't think there is. There is, actually. Wait, oh, there's a John Wick video game? Yes, there is. It is called John Wick Hex. Oh, okay. Well, then I can't. I guess I can't choose that. Well, don't like, worry. I, it's don't worry. It, here's the thing: if you want it to be a good video game, you could still pick it because that video game is bad. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, that video game is bad. <laughs> oh, let me pick another one then. I, I never, I, I, I didn't know that John Wick was a. I thought a long time about that. I didn't Google it. I thought that John, <laughs> I thought that John Wick was a video game. So in that case, it would be a movie that I like to think of as a brother to the John Wick movie, which is Denzel's The Equalizer, because those were the two that I came down with, mm. and I'll tell you why. Like, the Equalizer would be a cool video game because he doesn't really use guns. So you'd have to go around and pick up different shit. You'd have to go on different missions to find out people around Boston who needed your help. You'd have to answer the fucking, the, the want ads or whatever. But then also you'd have side missions with people that work with you. Then once you were doing these things, you'd have to do detective work. You'd have to avoid people. Then you'd also have to use... Like, he makes evaluations and he uses, like, uh, drills and all kinds of stuff like that to do your kills and stuff. So I think it'd be a good fight engine. I think there's a detective element. I think all of that stuff. Now, I had picked John Wick over that, but I didn't know there was a John Wick video game. But, yeah, so I will go with Denzel's The Equalizer. That's pretty good. That's a good pick. That's a good pick. All right, guys, I got too nerdy with this one. I got way too nerdy. All right? Okay. Have you guys played my favorite video game of last year, Hades? Yes. Hades is a magnificent video game. Is a fantastic roguelike video game. You're going through dungeons. You're getting power-ups. So my pick, I would want an Avengers Endgame roguelike video game where instead of dungeons, each level is a different Marvel movie and you have to pick one hero. 
going through it, getting power-ups. And if you die in a timeline, you got to start over. So you could be any character, but each, each character has different powers and each dungeon is a different timeline. I feel like you're just picking, you're just picking a Loki video game. You're, you're in the TVA, bouncing through timelines, fighting your way out of it. Yeah, but here's the thing. I wouldn't want to be there's like I wouldn't want to be Loki. I would want to be like Captain America or Iron Man traveling through all of the different MCU movies and having to go beat them in one go, like in Hades. That would be my pick. I, th- I think that's good. I've liked I've, uh, Hades is probably last year's best video game, and I think knowing that like you can interact with other different characters and different timelines that makes it different levels. Uh, I, I think that's a solid pick. That's a my runner up was I want an invincible like Mortal Kombat type game, all invincible characters, but with the Mm. same level of violence as the TV show. So like the fatalities, like you ripping out people's hearts and shit, that would be my runner. There you go. Omni-Man's kind of OP, but all right. Oh yeah. Omni-Man. Omni-Man's pretty OP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Omni-Man, Superman with the stash and anger problem. I would like to play as Cecil in that fighting game. That'd be great. Cecil would be a great fighting game character. Cecil frustrated Omni-Man. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. Wait, you you would have the teleportation powers. You would also get the like the cyborg guys as you're like coming in to like protect you. You would have incredible like, you taunts. Be- your your Ooh. ult is probably like the beam coming from space. You know? Yeah. Oh, by the way, I have a runner up. A video game I would like to see is a live action movie, Injustice. We need that. Yeah, we need that. Yeah, they're they're, they're making a. They're making do you think that they could movie. make an Injustice movie? I, I think it would be fucking fantastic. And I, no, it would be fantastic. Is it possible with the current regime? I, like I'll tell you why. This is another thing that pisses me off about DC. Small tangent. Just take something like this, a story that is inherently cinematic, and make it. You keep doing Superman. Do All-Star Superman. Do it. Do All-Star Superman. It's a story that everybody that loves Superman would care about, and people who who are alive and have mortality, mortality all of us would care about too. But the best stories, they throw them away, and then they do weird shit. So that's all I'm saying. But uh, uh, Injustice would be good too. That would be great. All right. It's our pick, Jomi. Uh, yeah, this is like really simple. You know, I thought about it for like two seconds, like perfect Mission Impossible video game. I fucked that. I Think fucked about it. it. You get like Hitman, right? Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell, right? Nathan Drake, you know, and, and that, that type of energy with a little dash, just a little tinge, yeah, of Battlefield, right? Because they have all the big spectacles. All that stuff. I'm locked in. It could be multiplayer see- as well. You got, you got you know, the whole crew. Think of the Burj Khalifa mission with everybody else in the, in the room. I want to see Ethan Hunt, right? Have to like sneak into like the top of the freaking Eiffel Tower, right? And then have to jump onto a plane, right? And then fight the baddies on the plane, jump off of that plane, right? Into another mission. Just like think about it, right? Now, I'll just let you know. Excellent. Old Man Van has a way in right here. They did make one for the 64 back in the day. The, and that was terrible. It was bad. It was bad. For the 64. The 64, mm-hmm. as much as we love the 64, the 64 had a lot of fucked up shitty games. The 64 <laughs> had some great games. Mario Kart, WCW versus NWO Revenge, a couple of the joints too. <laughs> <It's>, but, <laughs> but, but the 60, the, six, the 64 had some fucked up terrible games too. But it's also kind of a beautiful time when they were just kind of making anything. And seeing what you could make it do, like they made a Warriors video game. Okay, like they made a they made a Glover video game. What is Glover? Gex. Yeah, come on. Yeah. This is how I know I'm young because I don't know what the hell y'all are talking about. <laughs> 64. Wait, you didn't have a Nintendo 64, Jeremy? 
Bro, my first video game, like I, I dabbled, like I went to friends' houses, but my first video game system was the Nintendo Wii. Bro, that's damn, you, you are a kid. Disgrace, damn, damn, bro. Very disgraceful. That's, 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 that's dope, though. Wii Tennis? Yeah, we, was, was, we was living in the trenches. I couldn't get the PS3 or the Xbox, but we got the Wii. PS3 was $800, though. <laughs> hey, but, then, but we figured it out, though. The worst game of all time is probably Shaq Fu. Shaq Fu was bad. We figured Shaq it Fu out, was though. Bad. It's culturally bad. important, though, I feel. Culturally <laughs> important, but a bad move. I mean, yes. bad video game. All right. So what we're going to do is we're going to have you guys vote on who you think has the best three films. Is it Van, Charles, or the tag team of Jomi and Steve? So find your way to our socials on Instagram and Twitter at Ringiverse and join the Facebook group on Facebook, The Ringiverse. And we will have polls for you to vote on who you think won this three-on-three matchup. I do want to touch on one story that we did not touch on that seems important in the world of comics. And I'm glad we got all the Midnight Boys here. You know what we should do? We should make this a segment. We should do the Knights of Midnight. The Knights of Midnight. <laughs> the Midnights. Like the, 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 the Midnights. Because yeah. this is like a roundtable discussion. This is like the Knights of the Roundtable. Hmm. You know mm. what I mean? Arthur, uh, Lancelot is Charles, and then... I don't know any of the other knights in the round table, so Ooh, I want to be Merlin. I call Gawain. Merlin. You could be Merlin, and you be Gawain. Like I don't know. I don't really know about Gawain, Robin, and uh, Tim Drake exploring his sexuality came out as queer. I saw yeah, that. this yeah. week, big moment. Wait, guys, guys, I don't know if you're a comic book fans, but like, where where does Tim Drake sit in your Robin in your Robin rankings? I only have two. There are only two Robins for me. Okay. So I'm only just, two Robins. It's just uh, Dick and Damien. Those are only two You don't Robins fuck with Tim Drake? Not really. Damn. I think Van, Van is too in love with Damien. I love Damien's Damien Wayne. Damien is I hard. Y'all not outside. Damien Wayne. Steve, right. I know you've seen the films, man. I know you've right. seen the films, bro. Damien is, is, is legit. Da- Damien, yeah, hard. no. Damien's yeah, like, I know Damien, he's nobody's fool. Damien's Damien, nobody's man. fool, but he's just a fucking punk bastard yeah yeah but here's my thing like it's like i love tim drake i actually like shout out for tim drake coming out as queer i think that is that is beautiful that's amazing yeah but i will say like this is this is just comic books like me reading comic books watching the shows the minute damien came like on like screen and on the comic books like he's he took to tim shine like he beat him up in the comic books like he beat the shit out of tim like, as a kid, as, like, a 12-year-old. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, he was going at Batman's neck. Like, just being like, nah, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> like, Damien, like, there's a lot of Damien haters out there. Damien's, like, legit, bro. I love Damien. Yeah, Damien's the man. Damien's the man. Of course, happy to see, you know, Tim come out. Like, representation is beautiful. And, and I'm glad that, you know, we're finally here in 2021 where we can we can do these things. And it's not, like, some huge event. We just love, we honestly just love to see it, you know, from, from D.C., but honestly, uh, she's probably like my third favorite Robin. Third. Uh, he's, he's safely third. Yeah. Ahead of just, you know, you got, of course, the OG Dick Grayson and then Damien, you know, like. And rest in peace, Jason. <laughs> rest in peace, bro. Like, Jason nobody is even terrible. No, Jason like, is terrible, bro. Don't speak to <laughs> the dead, dog. Don't, hey, bro. Well, I mean, he's alive. The Red he's Hood alive is alive. Red Hood. He's just terrible. Like, nobody gives a fuck about Jason Todd. <laughs> he's alive as the Red Hood, but really, Jason Todd, really, he's dead. Really, like, really, he, he, he killed it. We voted. We, you guys weren't even around. I Wait, did you really. actually send in a postcard? No, I was three. 
Like I was like, I was like, I was, I was too young. I remember my brother talking about it though. My brother, my brother was like nine or ten or something like that. Like, I remember my brother talking about it, but no, like they voted and they killed him. But you know, they, they brought him back. All right. And that is it for us today. Uh, Jummy directed you to all of the socials, but we're also going to need you to go to those same socials and follow us on Facebook, IG, and Twitter. Please follow and share the show. Make sure to check in with Mallory Rubin for her deep dives on Marvel's What If. That is part of the House of Mal, which will be on Friday. Um, also, make sure you check in to Nick, the Nick, Nick, the Nick, Nick Week. Nick Week here on TheRinger.com. Uh, they're having a lot of fun talking about Nickelodeon stuff, taking me back to my childhood. Uh, shout out to You Can't Do That on television. Love that show. Love that show. I don't know. Slime. Great show. All right. Thank you to our producers, Steve Allman, Jomi Adeneron, and Arjuna Ramgapal. And of course, TD, Tunde St. Michael Matthew. TD, we love you wherever you're at today, TD. All right, Charles. Can you take us out of here? Yo, people, grab your lighters, grab your splits. Your boy Charles was really so-so on what if. All right, peace. I need to pitch you on my what if ideas really, really quick. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, All right, mm-hmm, guys, mm-hmm. number one, if I had my way, what if the MCU was made by Pixar? A short 30 minutes, all in the Pixar style. I want it. Do you have a couple million stashed in, in, in your bag? It would only be 30 minutes. It'd only be 30 minutes. Dog. Okay. Mm. okay. Red light next. All right. <laughs> Peter Parker uh-huh. in Thor, in the original Thor, picks up Mjolnir. Oh, that's a great. Yeah. That's a great. Yeah, line. it's locked in. Right. There. So he like, but <laughs> but we're doing it firestorm. We're doing it firestorm style. So he still has Thor in the back of his head. So whenever he turns into Thor, like he's still like Peter Parker. He looks like Peter Parker, but he has like a mad Thor telling him what he should be doing the whole time. When he picks up Milnir, does he just immediately get like a beard and like like the like braids? Down well, I don't know. Should he, <laughs> Jomi? Should he get like a like a? He needs the armor. He needs the armor. He has the armor. No, it's like when Link picks up the Master Sword for the first time. He's just like, he's a grown man. Yeah, I'm with that. That's a green light. Okay, All keep right, going. So That's good. Next one, Black Panther, the first adventure. So during World War II, that, that Black Panther and Wakanda decide to open their borders. And instead of Captain America becoming like the hero of World War II, it's this, it's this version of Black Panther. He has a vibranium shield and everything. So then Wakanda just becomes like the center of everything. Instead of like the Avengers in America, it's like the Avengers in Wakanda. Actually, that's a green light because that would also would have changed. You're on a roll now. That would have changed like race relations for like 60 years. <laughs> Did you? Black man I, the I was just thinking about that. I don't. I don't know, man. Like, you know, <laughs> do they? Do, do we not get Jim Crow? Like, it's just you know what I'm saying. Like, let's. You know, there, well, there Jim Crow was already happening. I mean, that's yeah. right. But like, do right. we get significant change? I think like that is interesting. Like, I would love to see. I would, you know. All right, there's another Spider-Man one. This is for Infinity War. Spider-Man never gets on the ship, so all of the heroes get snapped away. So the only heroes that are left that need to stop Thanos are Spider-Man and Netflix Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, and Iron Fist. And the whole episode is like, can they stop Thanos with just the street-level heroes? Spider-Man is the leader of the new Avengers, and he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. I'm, I, yellow light, because I'm only curious as to why him not going on the ship changes the 50-50 odds I, of him getting snapped. I don't know why, but it does. 
Okay, because he would still get snapped away. That's fine. That's a yellow light, but I like it. The big one is twist. We realize Thanos is the hero. He's collecting all of the all of the Infinity Stones for like for a noble cause. I don't know what that noble cause is. So it, like at the end of Endgame, we're actually rooting for Thanos to be everyone. He's trying to res- resurrect Firefly, the series. <laughs> that's his. Wow. That's his goal. All right. That's a ye- that, that that's a yellow. All right. Last one. End of Age of Ultron. After Pietro dies, Wanda snaps. And she says, no more heroes, no more superheroes. So the Avengers essentially now have no powers. So all of them, like Tony Stark has to replicate all their powers using Iron Man armor. Mm. All right, I got mm. two out of three. I, I think, three. yeah. You got some good ideas. I mean, no, I like that. That's, that's good. That's good. That's a good start. What that's if Tony start. Stark was all the Avengers? Yeah. No, I get it. No, I get it. No, that's a, that's a green light. That's a green light. That's good. We should play this game more often. Yellow light, green light, red light. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure that executives don't sit in a boardroom meeting and be like, yellow light, green light, red light. Hold on for a second. Hold on for a second. Steve, is that how you think a black man sounds? Did you just do black voice? Jesus Christ. Charles, wow. Jesus, Steve. Six Six I don't think people, I don't think, I don't think people go in the ballroom and go, yellow light, green light, red light. <laughs> wow, Steve. Jesus. Hey. File on the play. We're penalizing uh 40 acres on the play. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Fox Sports Steve's out here. Damn. I'm hosting See the it. XFL next week. Thank you. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.